Happy Father's Day to all the dads, grandpas, uncles, and uh, as Laura Lee mentioned, spiritual fathers um, that, that uh, in the church, we, we were part of a new family, right? And so uh, we get to have these fam- family roles with each other. And so I think of spiritual, my, my own dad, but I also think of spiritual fathers and uncles and grandparents in my life that have uh, made such an impact on me. So I just want to say thank you to all the men of this church and, and the high calling that we have to um, be men who are shaped to be like Jesus. Um, I'll never forget the best Father's Day ever. It was Father's Day 2016. And uh, the greatest Father's Day gift I could ever have, the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from a 3-1 deficit (laughs) to win the NBA championship against the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) I told you you were going to boo me again. It's got to be a good Father's Day for the few Warriors fans, right? They got it done this week. That's pretty exciting. It's a good Father's Day. Uh, it is, go Dubs. It is an honor and a privilege to be a father, but it comes with this high calling and responsibility to, our kid, to, to love our kids the way that Christ does. And so even as we read our psalm today, the psalmist David, um, there's a sense of intimacy um, with God. A sense of knowing God. There's a sense of confidence that that the psalmist has in God. And I want to say today, may all of our children, um, and if this hasn't been your story in in your household, maybe it starts fresh today. May all of our children be confident that God sees them, that God knows them, and that he loves them because the men in their lives consistently demonstrate a love for God in tangible ways. That's my prayer this morning, is that's what our children would experience. Uh, it is Father's Day, and so I've reserved the right to talk more about my kids and being their dad than I normally would. Uh, they've given me permission. I'll try not to embarrass them too much. And today we're studying Psalm 62, which is a very important psalm to me. It's a psalm of confidence, of trust in the Lord. And as I was studying our, our psalm today, some memories flashed into my head. Um, the, the memory of taking Kendall. Uh, to the natatorium in Cuyahoga Falls for swim lessons when she was 18 months old. And getting in that pool with her and holding her, and as her feet went into the water, she screamed as if I was torturing her. She did not want to be in that water. She hated every second of it. And then she's just looking to mom. Mom, rescue me from this evil man who is putting me in this water. And Adrian is just, you know, she's, that's her baby. So she's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Adrian, you got to get out of here. She, you got to get out of here. She's, she's got to learn to be comfortable in the water. We've got to do this. And it's, it's, she doesn't want to do it right now, but it's good for her. We need to do this, right? And that whole first lesson was miserable. And, and we didn't want to go back. Um, but we did go back uh, again and again and again. And the more we were in the water, the more she felt comfortable and confident. And then we did this all a couple years later when our son Kieran was born. We did the same thing. He freaked out, and we had to say, Mom, you can't be in the pool area when the baby's in the water. And, uh, and, and the same thing happened over and over again. Fast forward to, you know, just a few years later, here's Kendall jumping into the deep end. If we can hit that video. Look at that. I'm still so proud. She didn't want to even dip her toes in the water, and now with no, nobody in the water, she's jumping in, off a diving board into a 12-foot pool and swimming back. And then Kieran, him too. I can't forget him. Oh. 
Um, and how do you get from the first part of the story to that? How do you go from being afraid to even put your feet in the water to, I'll dive in? Well, it came because they trusted me, their dad. This is a new experience. You're putting me in this water. This water is deep. I don't like this. This does not feel safe. But every single time that they jumped in or I brought them in with me, they learned over time that they were in safe hands. I would not let them go. I would not let them go underwater until they were ready. We were going to do this together. And it was that confidence in me, their dad, that eventually allowed them to say, I can do this by myself. As I was reading our psalm this week, that's a lot of what our relationship with God is like. We, we maybe start with fear. Maybe start by dipping our toes in the water because we're not sure, will he really show up? Will he really be in this with me? Will he really take care of me through all of this? There goes my water. And, and, and over time, the more we know God, the more we experience life with God, we start to trust more until we're ready to go off the high dive and say, God, whatever you bring my way, I know I can trust in you. And that's what the psalm is about today. And so I want to read this psalm in its entirety, and then we're going to kind of jump in and uh, pick it apart verse by verse. But join me in reading this if you've got a Bible, and the words will be up on the screen as well. This is David. David writes, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouth they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, and the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. This psalm is interesting. It has a couple of different movements in it. First, David just starts off by by proclaiming his trust and his confidence in the Lord. And then later he addresses his attention to a different audience. Then he comes back to worshiping God. And then he goes back to the audience and then back to God. He says, truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. The original Hebrew in verse 1 is better translated. uh, Instead of my soul finds rest in God, it's my soul is silent in the presence of God. I am quiet before God. And as we're going to find out as we dig into this psalm more, this is not based on circumstances. David's soul is quiet and restful in the presence of God while there is all sorts of troubling noise going on around him. He's under attack, and yet he still, in the presence of God, can be silent, have rest. David uses these images. He's my rock 
my fortress. So David, we know David was a warrior king, right? He knows, he's seen battle, he knows where to hide from an enemy, a rock fortress, a cave. And what David is saying is, I'm only truly safe in the presence of God. Safe from what? Why does he need a refuge, a rock? Look at verse 3. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouth they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Throughout David's reign as king, we know he faced all sorts of trials and tribulation. Uh, there were outside nations that were always a threat to God's people. Um, there was even a civil war at one time separating Israel and Judah into warring nations against each other. There was even threats from his own son Absalom who over and over tries to kill David to take his throne. And in this psalm, we don't exactly know what he's referring to, but we can see two things here. First, someone is trying to take David down, right? That's obvious. They want to see him fail. Maybe they want to see his kingdom fall. Maybe they, they want his God's favor to be removed from him. I don't know, but they intend to topple him from his lofty place. Secondly, we see that their efforts aren't necessarily rooted in physical violence. There's other psalms where it's clear that David is under physical threat. But this one, it seems like it's the words of others. They lie about him. They lie to him. They're phony. They say flattering things to his face, but they hate him. They gossip about him. And many of you know, understand what David is going through. You ever feel like people were out to get you? Like it was hard to know who your friends really are and who your enemies are? Have you ever had people gossip about you? I honestly think that's one of the uh, most painful things that we experience in human relationships is gossip. When someone is kind to your face, but behind their back, behind your back, it's a whole different story. Sometimes they may even have a valid criticism. And maybe you need to hear it, but they're telling everybody else except you. They never sit down with you face to face like a real friend would. They just want to tell everybody else this or that to tear you down. It's so disorienting when people gossip about you. It makes you wonder, who can I trust? Who really is my friend? It makes us feel isolated. This is what David is experiencing. People are lying to him. They're lying about him. He doesn't know who he can trust, and so he's turning to the Lord. Honestly, this is one of the areas where I've seen that Christians are... Um, we tend to behave just as badly or even worse than those outside of the church when it comes to gossip. I don't know why that is. It's become one of these sins that's somewhat acceptable. But it's poison to a community. It's poison to relationships. And so, it's just a quick side note. This isn't what the psalmist is saying, but this is what I'm saying. Let's not have gossip in a church. Let's pursue honesty and trust. People in relationships are more important than my opinions and my feeling superior to others. Let's just not have that in the church. There's no room for it. it destroys, it tears down. We need words of life. We need truth and honesty. Again, though, put yourself in David's shoes. People are talking all this junk about him. He's hurting, he feels assaulted. So where does he turn? 
Back to verse 5, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. He repeats the opening lines of this psalm. And I don't know why he repeats this word. Maybe he's just doubling down. But I think it's more. It's not just that he feels confident. I think he's, he needs to hear these words again and again and again. Look what he says. I, I misspoke when I read this verse the first time. It says, yes, my soul find rest in God. He doesn't say my soul finds rest in God in verse 5. He says find rest in God. He's talking to himself. It's like he's struggling and he needs to repeat the words again and again as a reminder. And I know this is true for me sometimes. When I'm struggling with something, I usually latch onto a worship song that speaks to that very thing. And I listen to it and sing it over and over and over again. Why? Because I need to hear that truth. I need these words washing over me time and time again. I need to sing that song so that it sinks into my soul so that I truly believe it. So that I can open up space to hear God's voice in the midst of my trials and tribulation and, and allow him to speak into my life. This is so true of me that this psalm that we're uh, in today, is t- the, the, the closing lines of it are tattooed on my arm because this psalm has been life to me through some of the hardest circumstances I've ever been through. And I'll share more about that in a minute. But we need to hear God's word. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear the truth over and over and over again. Not just every now and then. We need to hear it all the time so that it sinks into us. So that it's written on our heart that when we are under attack by people who who gossip or slander us, uh, by spiritual battles that we face, spiritual warfare, or even life circumstances, we need God's word. We need his presence all the time so that we can stand up against those attacks, reminding us, giving us confidence, giving us trust. Here's what the heart of this is. If you take anything away from this morning, this is what I want you to take away. Confidence in God comes from knowing God. Confidence in God comes from knowing God. David's confidence comes from knowing God intimately. I spoke about this uh, uh, at, the, at The Voice on uh, Friday night, um, which is an amazing ministry that makes space for people struggling with any sort of kind of mental health challenge to come and process through that um, and to find a community where they can heal, where they can uh, be heard, a safe place. And I'm so grateful we have a ministry like that meeting in our building because we all need it. If we're honest with ourselves, we all need that at some point. Many of you were there, and, and this will be a repeat for you, but this, one of the things I shared about is that we need spiritual practices in our lives, not so that we can check a box and say, God, I did my Bible today, now you love me more. No, because it helps us to know God. Prayer, scripture reading, spending time in silence, just listening for God's voice, journaling, being in community. I could list a whole bunch more. These practices are about knowing God. And... Uh, I used human relationships as an example. If I talk to a person who lives in my neighborhood one time a month, what is that person to me? An acquaintance, right? An acquaintance. 
We're not going to build a whole lot of closeness if we just kind of check in with each other once a month. Hey, how's it going? How's your lawn? You know, that kind of small talk that won't build intimacy, that won't build a true friendship. Put it another way. If, if Adrian and I, my wife Adrian and I, uh, just, uh, if I only talked to her one time a week and that thing was to ask her to do a bunch of stuff for me, how strong would our marriage be? Not super strong. It wouldn't be healthy. And the same thing can be said about our relationship with God and our spiritual practices. David's confidence in God doesn't come from a once-a-week prayer when he finds himself in a jam like he didn't study for a test and he's like, oh God, I'm going to need you to help bail me out of this one. I've been there. It doesn't come from, from uh, every now and then when we feel the need for God checking in with him. It comes from regular time with God praying reading the scriptures, listening to his voice. It comes from experiencing God through other people. We know that if you read the the stories in the scripture about David's life, he's surrounded by a couple of good friends who are there to challenge him at times. They're there to draw him back to God. They're there to remind him of who God is in his life. David's trust in God is like that of my kids. Over time, they knew I was going to catch them because I always caught them. They knew I wouldn't let their heads go into the water until they were ready. Their trust and their confidence in me became because they knew me. All of this is me saying to us as a a church family, let's pursue knowing God together. Not just knowing stuff about God, but knowing him like the loving father that he is having the trust and confidence that whatever we face in this life, we can stand up against it because we have a God who is our rock, our salvation, our refuge. I want that for me and for you, and I know David wanted that for others because look at verse 8. He says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He encourages people to, to know God like he knows them. And then he talks about the futility of going through life without knowing God. He says, surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. This whole discussion about lowborn, highborn, he's saying if you were born into a poor family or a rich family, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference in the grand scheme of things. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. People who don't know God are out there chasing something else to find comfort, to be their rock, to be their refuge. They're chasing something else to make their life feel complete. But in the end, (laughs) we leave this life empty-handed, every single one of us. And what do they have left if they didn't have God? They're empty-handed. David is saying, don't live like that. Know God now. Pursue him. He says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. David knows this better than anybody. He's the king of Israel. He's the most powerful and wealthy person in the land, and yet he still faces trials and tribulations. Life circumstances didn't pass his house. They came knocking on his door too, right? And that's true for every one of us. The storms of life come for each one of us, and the difference is, the only difference is, do you know God as your refuge and your rock or not? And then the last 
few verses, the ones that uh, are tattooed on my arm here or summarized. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. These verses speak to the struggle of faith. At some point in our life, most of us will ask the question, can God handle this thing that is weighing on my shoulders? Other situations, we may ask the question, does God care enough to take this burden off of my shoulders, to be here with me in my time of need? The reason this is tattooed on my arm, and I might need to get some tissues ready for myself here. Um, I'm just preparing myself. Um, there was a span of about a year that was, I would say, the hardest um, time in my life as a Christian to try to walk through. Uh, this was in, it started in 2014 um, when I was let go from my pastoral position at a church that I uh, was, was attending before I was on staff, and then I was a pastor on staff there for 10 years. I built uh, deep relationships with a couple generations of families, and uh, this was my church home. This is where I belonged this was my livelihood. This is where I worked. And I was let go. And it was a brutal day, one of the worst days of my life. And it just hurt so deeply um, to go through that. And I remember um, the last morning we were at our church, um, Adrian and I went into this prayer room on the third floor of the church building before we went, and I was a student pastor, before we went and worshiped with our, our youth, and, and, I, and I shared one more message before uh, my time was done. And we went in this prayer room, and we just turned on the song that God had put on our hearts and minds that day. And it's a song that we're going to sing after this sermon called, Your Love is Strong. And, and that phrase, your love is strong, comes directly from Psalm 62. Um, and in the song, uh, the, the artist summarizes these verses as two things you've told me. You are strong and you love me. And I needed those words that day. We needed those words that day because we were facing something that we didn't know our way out of. And here we're trying to find where are we going to put our hope? Where is our rock and our refuge? You are strong and you love me. I needed it repeated over and over again. I needed to hear those words so that I believe that they were true about God. And trivia, that's the words that are on here. You are strong and you love me. So then the next season is us looking for a new ministry calling and uh, you know, going on these interviews and just, oh my gosh, getting our hopes up and then going to visit a church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and within the first two hours knowing this ain't it, we, this isn't where God calling us, and then just, oh, back to the drawing board, and it was just a brutal time, and over and over again, I needed to hear those words, God, I need this to be true, that you are strong and you love me, that you can handle these circumstances, and you love me enough to walk through this with me, with us, and then we, we eventually landed on a church in the Chicago area, and we moved there, and we moved away from our families, our hometown, and that was hard, right? Many of you have done that, and you know that's such a struggle. And then many of you also know that our son Kieran was diagnosed um, at about age one with a couple, uh, two congenital heart defects, and we knew he would need surgery. And uh, whew, sorry, I just saw those pictures. 
I looked at him already once today. Why am I so emotional? <laughs> I, um, as soon as we move to Illinois, we, we get set up with a new cardiologist, and it happens to be the cardiologist that invented the surgery he needs. Um, and, and we go to get the, the echo, and the cardiologist looks at us and, and says, yeah, we can't wait. We know you thought you had a few more years. This, this needs to happen now. I can't tell you how many times I needed to hear the words, you are strong and you love me. Because I struggled to pray at all. I struggled to get my hope. I'm good, Chris. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I struggled to pray at all. I did not want, I, I felt like if I put my hope and trust in God and something happens to my son, I'll never be okay. I'll be crushed. But God never stopped knocking on my door. He never took these words too far from me. I listened to this song over and over again because I needed it. You are strong and you love me. And there's him just after surgery, and I can't tell you why, but on surgery day, we had total peace. I don't know why. And then there's him two days later when he finally got his chest tubes out, um, and now he's got two scars right here that he calls his bullet holes. <laughs> but this psalm got me through that year of my life because it helped me to know God. Praying this prayer over and over again, saying these words over and over again, help me to know God in such a way that when I say them, it's not hollow. It's not rote memorization. It comes from truly knowing God, meeting him there in the darkest places and him being my rock and my refuge. So my tattoo has the Bible verse and it has Kieran's uh, ECG on there. And one of the cool things about his surgery was the surgeons fixed the hole in his heart. Brilliant, amazing people that God created with skill that I can't imagine fixed this hole in his heart um, that was causing his heart to enlarge, right? Um, but it, there's damage to the area of his heart where your heartbeat originates. Um, and so what happened is, if you look closely at this, you can't because you're there and I'm here. But the, his, his ECG is weird, but it's consistently weird because a different part of his heart took over responsibility for originating his heartbeat. We thought there was a good chance he would need a pacemaker or that he would have to be watched very closely all the time because of this wacky heart rhythm. But what they found was it's consistent. This other part of his heart took over responsibility. So they, they fixed the one thing, but God fixed the other. And there's, I'm sure, some really smart person who can give me a medical explanation, but it doesn't change the fact that that was a miracle from the Lord. God showed me he is strong and he loves me. He's shown me time and time again, and this morning I want to ask you, do you know that's true? 
Can you experience that? Feel it deep within you that that's true. That he is strong and he loves you. That he will never forsake you. And he can handle anything that comes your way. The same God, through his his love for us, came here in the flesh, Jesus Christ, took on all our sin and shame and pain and went to the cross because he loves you. And guess what? He was strong enough to handle all of that and he rose again from the dead. This is the God I'm talking about. Do you know Jesus in this way? Do you know intimately that he is strong and he loves you? If you want to take steps toward knowing him like this, you're not alone as a community. Let's enter into these practices together as individuals, but also as a community of, of hearing God's word and praying and over and over and over again, getting to know him until it seeps into our bones. If, you want, if, if you've never known him, if you've never put your trust in him and you want that experience, I would encourage you this morning, put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only place where you'll find true refuge and salvation. And as a church, let's do this. Let's walk forward together, believing this is true, taking these steps of faith, believing that he is strong and he loves you. I'm going to pray in a minute, and then I'm actually going to sing that song. Um, if For no one else but for me. Um, because it has meant so much to me. And, uh, and I got tattooed on my body because uh, a, a mentor of mine called these Ebenezer moments. Ebenezers are these Old Testament altars that are built to celebrate huge, momentous things God has done in your life. And so this is a monument to what God has done in our lives. I would encourage you to just take 30 seconds right now in silence. Think back to the times that God showed up for you, even when you weren't aware of it. What are those times where he showed himself to be strong and loving, your rock, your salvation, and your refuge? Take 30 seconds right now and just spend some time with him. Give him thanks and praise.